Welcome to the Frosch Effect Podcast. We believe that even though living an extraordinary life doesn't come easy or without challenges, it is your birthright. It's about becoming the best version of yourself and discovering your purpose by connecting with the world around you through honest conversations, encouragement, and a healthy dose of laughter. If you're like us and you walk into Target for a bottle of shampoo and you emerge victorious with a cart full of all the things you didn't know you needed, like a new shower curtain, a candle, the whole magnolia line, a clearance sweater, and a new pair of shoes, you're in the right place. Regardless of the topic, we promise you'll leave better than you came with more than you bargained for. I'm Casey Stout. And I'm Kristen Smith. We're the mother-daughter mompreneurs behind BB Froch, and this is The Froch Effect. Welcome to episode number 15 of The Froch Effect. Today we are going to talk about advice from a not-so-newlywed and a not-so-oldywed. So which one am I? Yeah, it's kind of fun because you can decide which one you are. <laughs> <laughs> Since I've been married for like, oh my gosh, 28 years. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so then I'm should been... we say advice from a not-so-ancient newlywed? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I thought this would be a really fun topic because... As I sit amongst like my mom friends, so I'm 26 years old, and so I have all my friends range from like 24 to 35. Except Brooke, if you're listening, <laughs> <laughs> like whatever. We won't but, call everybody out on their exact age, but, yeah. but um, so my, my friends are like kind of right in that age. So I feel like we're all still pretty newly married, uh, most of us. And in my mom group, I have. One friend who just got divorced, one who's separated, one who's contemplating divorce, and I really only... Well, and you have a couple who are... Miserable. Just miserable. Yeah. They're not getting divorced, but they're just totally unhappy. Yeah. Yeah. So I really, out of like my 10 close mom group friends, I could think of two of them who are really happy and thriving in their marriage. And so if you take out of 10, that's really only 20%. Yeah. That are loving their marriage and happy with it. And so I thought this would be a fun topic to go up to do because then we, we can talk about what there is to love about marriage and how we can thrive and succeed and have the best marriage possible because I know that is possible. So a couple months ago, I actually, Tommy and I started counseling and we've talked about this. I think I talked about counseling for myself before. So I don't know if I've talked about that. We do marriage counseling, which is the best thing ever. But a couple months ago, I had actually listened to a Rachel Hollis Rise Together podcast. So it was Dave. Dave Hollis is in it too. And they were talking about how they know it's possible to have an exceptional marriage. And that got me thinking that I did not at the time feel like my marriage was exceptional. There wasn't anything wrong with it. Nobody was doing anything wrong, but we just weren't like thriving, thriving and like the best that we could be. And so we decided to go to counseling and it has helped in every single aspect of our marriage. So first, and we notice it from the outside too. Oh, good, good. So you feel it from the inside and then it's noticeable from the outside, which I think also means that whether your kids can articulate it, I'm sure they notice it as well. Oh, they probably do. Yeah. Hopefully anyways, because 
It's not cheap, but <laughs> but it's worth it. But it's a good investment. It is. And, yeah. Well, and that's that's when we were deciding whether or not to pay for it. Um, we thought, okay, this is something we want to last for eternity. It doesn't matter the cost to yeah. us. We're yeah. absolutely investing in this. This is our relationship. This is our kids' relationship and people around us. So, um, Well, I just think it is important to note that uh, just what you said, it's an investment and it's not like your marriage was hanging by a thread or right. you were miserable. You just wanted to invest in having an exceptional marriage. So I think that's an important thing to, to make sure that we're explaining to people is that um, if you want an exceptional marriage, put something into it. Don't wait until it is hanging by a threat exactly. to get help or resources. And hopefully we'll give you some help and resources today as well, because I'm sure we're talking to people from that are the whole gamut, the ones who are bored in marriage, the ones who are struggling in marriage, the ones who are recently divorced, um, newly married, oldly married, whatever. Hopefully there's the whole gamut and hopefully we've got some tips for all of you. You mentioned, Casey, that you wanted to have an exceptional marriage and how you learned from Rachel Hollis's podcast that that was possible. And I love that. And the thing that I wanted to, to talk about with regards to that is that an exceptional marriage does not mean a marriage without problems. Oh, right. Oh, because we still definitely disagree. And I say, like, yeah, I have problems, but like, or, disagreements or, 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 or issues or, or challenges yeah, sure. or trials or, or what have you. And uh, I think that's an important distinction because um, in some of the, the things that we've seen our couple friends go through, um, I've noticed that the thing that seems to come up are, I guess, what I would call deal breakers. Right. And as soon as somebody meets a deal breaker in their marriage, then that's when they decide, okay, it's time to separate or divorce. And I remember actually, Casey, you went to, you took a class like a marriage or a relationship class in college. And I remember you coming home and telling me about one day where the professor asked everybody to write down what their deal breakers in a relationship were. And at the time you were young, but I remember you saying to me, gosh, I, all of these things that people wrote as deal breakers, I wouldn't consider a deal breaker. In a marriage. Yeah. And they were things like, what, gosh, what were they? Um, some of them were small, like spends too much time with friends. Others were things like have an affair or have addictions or, yeah. um, you know, maybe bigger things. Um, I can't even remember what they all were. But we had a conversation at the time. And it's funny because you don't even remember this conversation, do you? <laughs> Not really, no. <laughs> and it's probably because you weren't married at the time, so you weren't actually having to reflect on it. But the reason I wanted to um, talk about these deal breakers is, yeah, I think everybody probably has one or two deal breakers in their marriage, but kind of knowing ahead of time what they are would be important. But also, I think that when you approach a marriage with what are the deal breakers, then you kind of end up looking at it as a way of kind of white knuckling and hoping to never screw mm. up or hoping your partner never screws up or makes a mistake through a marriage versus having your marriage or, or developing a relationship where making mistakes or, or overcoming them is safe in your marriage. Oh, yes. Because we're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to do things that disappoint our, mm -hmm. our spouse or our partner because that's just who we are. I mean, it's human nature. We don't yeah. try to. But we're going to. And and being in fear all of the time that, oh, my gosh, that's going to make them so mad is is a very different feeling than knowing, okay, you know what? I'm 
I'm safe to go to my spouse and say, here, this is something I'm struggling with, or this is something that I screwed up on. And then knowing that that person is going to be willing to work together with you on it and grow together with you through it. I love that. A book I want to talk about that I just read recently is A Love Letter Life by Jeremy and Audrey Roloff. And they actually have the a Navigators Council uh, program that you can do with your spouse. Oh, that, we'll talk about that too, but talk yeah, about this but I want to talk about book. the book yes. first. Uh, so I just read this, and it's kind of cool. They actually haven't been married too long. They just have one little kid now. They're so young and so cute. They're so, so cute. Jeremy Roloff is actually from the – he's the oldest son, I believe, of – Little People, Big World. Yes. yes. So you may recognize them from that, but that's who he is. They're just a really inspirational couple, and – what I love about them is they talk a lot about intention and being really intentional with your marriage, but like time that you're spending with your spouse. So they give good advice that seems like maybe so easy to do. Like don't take your phone to bed with you or like turn off the TV at night. Oh, yeah, like if your time is together, but you're sitting on the couch watching a show, are right. you really together? You're, exactly. So they're yeah. t- they talk about like being really intentional with your time together, which I really loved. And if you're pre-marriage, this is an awesome book because they talk about things that uh, can really help get you ready for marriage. And if you're already married, they help they talk about things that can you can kind of maybe backtrack a little bit or kind of like help reset the foundation of your marriage and help it grow stronger. So I really, I definitely recommend that book. And it's only, it's like a cute read too. It's like a little love story, cute read, but they also talk about, they did have struggles. And they talked about one of the things Jeremy talks about in the book is his struggle with pornography, which is a big deal. Yeah. And so they're very honest and open and vulnerable. Yes. And how, and how they got through it or what they're doing to get through it. But, um, well, you mentioned one of the other books that they wrote, and I actually came across this one a couple of years ago, and I hesitated at first because I'm like, really, honestly, they've only been married a couple of years. What do they know? How could this possibly be? Yeah. But I will tell you, I could not recommend it enough. They have no idea that we're talking about them on our podcast, so <laughs> I know. we're not getting any you know, money from this or anything, but... <laughs> This is just how good it is. But the book you mentioned is called Navigator's Council. Yes. It is an awesome, awesome book. It's not a a book that you, like a book that you read. It's a kind of a marriage journaling book. And it's designed around like a 52, 52 weeks where you take one day a week with your spouse and you, um, you record in the journal, there's like five or six questions. You, you think I'd know because my husband and I actually do it, that you ask the same questions every single week of each other. And it's a, it's a time that you kind of regroup and readdress, you know, things that are going on. And I love it because it's thing, the questions are things like, how can I pray for you this week? Mm, um, yeah. Is there a dream or something that's been on your mind this week? And it gives you an opportunity to talk about it when a lot of times we just go through life assuming our our partner knows. Right. Um, Another one, is there anything that you've been struggling with or is there any sin or misdeed or anything that we haven't talked about or a hurt that we haven't talked about that we should talk about? And that one's been good for us because that, that way in our marriage we know that there's a time each week that we can talk about it so we don't have to dwell on something all week long and just, you know, hold a grudge. I can say to myself, you know what? 
that's something that can wait till Navigators Council. I can bring it up. And the funny thing is, if it's, you know, a challenge or a struggle, um, and I wait to bring it up on Sunday when we have our Navigators Council. You probably forgot about it. Well, yeah. <laughs> or it's, like, not that big of a deal by the time you get to Sunday. Exactly. You know, you <laughs> yeah. left your socks on the floor once again. By the time I get to Sunday, I'm like, yeah, not a big deal. You know? <laughs> yeah. So I just... I, I love it and I highly, highly recommend it. But the other fun aspect of it is right at the beginning of each one, um, each week, they have just a little kind of, I would call it maybe a devotional. Mm. And it, it, sometimes it's spiritual and sometimes it's just more practical. Just a one page um, little message from either Audrey or Jeremy of words of advice or things that they do um, that helps and I, again, I highly recommend it. I'll see if I can link to it. I think you can only get it on their website. I don't think it's on Amazon, but I know they sell out of it too, but I'll link to that in the show notes as well. Uh, really quickly, um, I wanted to mention too, they do have a website called Beating 50%. I love it because I originally thought it was Beating 50% Divorce Rate, but no, it's really like beating, um, being just a 50% person in your marriage, like be an 80% person. Another resource that I'd like to share that is also recommended in A Love Letter Life is the Enneagram test. So this is like a personality test to understand. It's along the same lines of the five love languages, but to understand your Enneagram. So there's one through nine. So you can you know what number you are and what that means and then what number your spouse is and what that means and how they work together. Oh, so it's not like a... I'm a 10, you're a five, <laughs> there's like a system or something. Yes. Okay, I yes. got it. <laughs> they, they really mesh well together and that was a really fun to take together because I, I love personality tests, like to see which one you are. But the Enneagram I recommend because it can, yeah, show what you are, show what your spouse is and how you really work well together and what your spouse needs and it also works in other relationships. Like I understand, okay, if I'm a six and I'm guessing you're an eight, I can know what an eight needs. So I can be what you need. I really, I really love that because that kind of addresses the idea that because you're an eight and your spouse is a six doesn't mean that you're not compatible. In fact, you don't want to be married to an eight. Right, right. No, two eights would drive each other crazy. I don't know what an eight is. But no, we're like just saying two any of any number yeah. would drive each other yeah, exactly. So I really, I really like that aspect of it. If we we should tell people how to spell the enneagram because when you were telling me about it, I thought it was any like a n y o gram. Oh yes. And, but the way that it is spelled, if you want to look it up, we will link to it in our show notes. Is e n n e a g r a m. Yes. And it's a test that you can just take online, and like you said, it's kind of fun to do. It is really fun. Throughout the week, I have been kind of polling my friends and my spouse and people in, in my circle to see what their best marriage advice would be. And I loved, loved, loved the one my friend said, and she said to dream together. And to me, that that was really, really powerful and really neat because when you're dreaming together, you're learning each other and hoping for the future and viewing a future together. So I thought that was really good advice. Um, my advice would be to turn off the TV 
And that doesn't mean you can't do movie nights on Friday and Saturday night or maybe Tuesday and Thursday are the nights you guys watch your shows. But the other nights, turn off the TV, especially in the bedroom. Like, I just think don't even have a TV in the bedroom. I have one for during the day when I'm folding laundry, you know, whatever. But like at night, don't lay in bed and watch TV. Talk to each other. Oh, I love that advice. Because I think as you get get older and older or you've been married longer and longer, it's easy to just have the TV on and, you know, just sit down and eat your dinner together or something like that. I yeah. actually know couples who do that. Yeah. And it's an easy thing to do. But... Yeah, because, I mean, Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune are really fun at mealtime. But, honestly, that's one time that you can connect. Yes. And you can actually connect during the meal prep, too. That's maybe another word of advice. But, (laughs) um, yeah, utilize that time since you're together instead of giving your focus to the television. And that kind of goes back to what we, we talked about in our last episode where when you're with your person, be with your person. Right. Give them your time and your attention. Right, exactly. Um, Another one, and this is going to be a little bit awkward because I'm sitting here with my mom. um, But I know, I know. But I'm going to throw it out there. Have sex. I'm serious. (laughs) I'm serious. Have sex with your spouse. Make that a priority. Uh, Tommy and I were talking about this one time. Like, if on Friday night um, you get home, okay, one Friday night, don't have sex. See how your Saturday goes. Oh. Then maybe the next Friday night, do have sex. See how your Saturday goes. This is so good because this is actually advice that my dad gave us when we first got married. I think he may have given it to you. Grandpa may have given it to you too. But he said, oh gosh, this is so important. He said, women need to feel loved to want to have sex. Husbands or men need to have sex to feel loved. Mm. Wow. And if yes. you think about that, man, you could just be going in circles forever. Like, I don't <laughs> want to have sex until I feel like you love me. And the husband's right. like, uh, I need to have sex in order to feel like you could yes. just be going around it like a giant catch 22. But is if you can understand that that's just kind of, you know, generally how we tend to operate, yes. then it might be a little bit easier to say to yourself, you know, on the women's side, um, okay. Maybe I'm not feeling totally loved right now, but this is how I can express my love to him. And by giving this to him, then I will then feel that love that I need. Exactly. And just a quick side note on that, ladies, he does not care about your stretch marks and your cellulite. You take off your shirt and he's like, sweet boobs. (laughs) That's literally all he cares about. So get past, get past all of that, that. That would definitely be one of my advice is to have sex and make that a priority in your marriage for sure. Uh, My my next one is to pray together. Really pray together and pray intentionally together and pray for each other too. So not only not just pray together, but pray over each other. Exactly. Yeah. So like separately, but pray for the other person, for their well-being and for their dreams. I mean, that, that to me is definitely a big one. And I notice a difference um, actually, one time Tommy and I we got into a, like a a decent fight, and a decent fight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he came and apologized to me, and I was like floored that he came and apologized because it was this was a big deal, and he's like, you know what made me do it is I actually prayed for you, and I just 
I wow. like it was a real turning point. It was really, really neat. Another piece of advice after talking with some of my friends this week is one of them expressed how she and her spouse have nothing to talk about. Like they're always together and what I mean, she's like, all I talk about is what we're going to make for dinner and that gets boring. So something that Tommy and I do is we read books. So we read like separate books and we listen to separate podcasts and so that we can oh. come back together and talk about it and encourage each other and do, do that so that we have something to talk about. Cause it can be really easy to get bogged down with like kind of like the superficial things of sure. like, okay. And can you make sure this kid gets to school on time and can you, okay. And can you pick up tomatoes for the tacos and blah, blah, blah. And it can feel like that's all you're ever talking about. But when you make an effort to learn, learn more, like read more, listen to different podcasts, attend events or something so that you can come back to your spouse and have something cool and fresh to talk about. Yeah. You're bringing something to the table. Yes. And vice versa. Yes. Oh, I love that piece of advice. That's really, really good. And it doesn't even always have to be like, you know, these learning kinds of books. It can even just be, you know, just a fun recreational book that you've read. Yes. Or, yeah, anything like a murder like mystery or something. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. One that we got to do last night, um, which, like, I'm grateful that you were here, is we got to go on a date last night. And I think especially, especially with kids, it is so important to make date night a priority. Absolutely. And even if I was like your spouse, date your spouse for sure. I was lucky to have you in town. So you were able to watch the kids. But uh, when you're not in town, I do think like hire a babysitter. Sometimes you're like, ah, oh, do we want to pay for a babysitter? But I'm telling you, your eternal marriage and your marriage forever is so worth it. It's worth it. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's something that we've always and it hasn't always been easy. But we've always known we need you need to continue to date your spouse. Yes. And by that, it isn't even just going on the date, but it's just the idea and the concept that, I mean, you wanted to go on dates. You wanted to spend time together before you got married. So after you're married, you want to keep that going. Yes. So uh, I want to share a couple of, I messaged my sisters and asked for some of their pieces of advice. And I, I do want to share a funny one because it's from my sister. This is funny. She says, she's been married almost as long as I have. She says, don't roll your eyes too much when they fart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I don't know. How do you do that one, though? Because one time Tommy seriously farted in front of the fan so that it would blow on me. Oh, I mean, he, that's how you know you've been married for a while. <laughs> it's disgusting. It's so disgusting. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I do roll my eyes too much. Yes. And I groan. And he still thinks it's funny. And he still says, pull my finger. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I guess, yeah. Boys just never get past the seventh grade. Uh, my dad, or my dad, my husband said to me the other day, um, he literally said that. He says, Yeah, I really haven't gotten past the seventh grade, have I? Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. No, I say that all the time. We're not in seventh grade. Um, okay, a couple of other ones. Forgive and ask forgiveness. Wow, and yes. that goes back to what you said. I think for me, that's been one of my challenges is to be able to say I'm sorry because my nature is to want to be right. And when I'm not right, to be able to find a way that I was right. Well, <laughs> Twist it in such a way that, well, I okay, I'm sorry, but I ABC. Well, I really liked how you said forgive. For me, sometimes forgiving is 
okay, like it's easier to do. Mm -hmm. But when then when you said ask for forgiveness, for some reason for me, that's a lot harder to do. When I've made a mistake or something, I'm like kind of stuck in my pride. And I can actually think of it one time with our um, Target credit card bill. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, Tommy's very like budget conscious and I'm sometimes a little more free about our budget. (laughs) Yes. It's a little, it's a loose term. Yes. And so, uh, I, one time I kind of racked up the credit card bill and I knew that he was going to notice for sure. And I really had to humble myself and ask for forgiveness. And you know what? It went fine. Wow. It was okay. I mean, yeah, we like set some boundaries going forward for me in the credit card bill. But it was fine. Well, I like the distinction of asking for forgiveness versus just saying I'm sorry. Yes. Because there's a difference in going, I'm sorry, I won't do it again. And can you forgive me? Wow, there's such a difference. I want to share a couple of more from my sister that are a little more serious than the, um, the, uh, the fart one. The fart one. <laughs> but uh, she recommends don't take yourself too seriously. That's good advice. I right? struggle with that one. Yeah. 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 That's probably one I've struggled with at least early on. Another one is laugh. Yes. Oh, and, I and need that's to do that hard more too. Because especially if you're feeling like, okay, we've got to talk about the budget. We've got to talk about, you know, getting the kids to their sports and their schedules. We've got to talk about picking up the food at the grocery store that I forgot for dinner, all that kind of thing. Uh, so you got to mix up some laugh, mix in some laughter. I love this next piece. Give more than you get. Oh, that's good. And that kind of goes back to what I talked about a little bit earlier that um, Jeremy and Audrey roll off their website, Beating 50%, how they talk about, um, you may hear a marriage being 50-50, and really, that's not the case. If all you're ever giving is 50%, what happens when somebody falls short and is only able to give 40%? Your marriage comes up short. Yeah. So if you're constantly striving to give more than 50% and your, your spouse is doing the same, then no matter who's falling short at any given time, your marriage will always manage to be 100%. Oh, I love that. So I really, really like that. Another one she said is don't keep score. Mm. That's one that we we actually have been kind of good at is not keeping score. Um, and I'm kind of glad because I know that if I were keeping score about all the things that my husband ever did, then he would also be keeping score of mine. And I don't want that to happen. <laughs> so, <laughs> right, right. Um, but yeah, don't, when you get into a new argument or a new discussion or a new challenge, don't bring up all of the old ones that have been resolved or, yes. or what have you. I like that. Don't keep score. Well, one that I notice uh, on the keeping score thing that Tommy and I sometimes do, which is not awesome, but um, like if I go to Bunko one night, we're like, we'll be like, okay, you got to go to Bunko, so I get to go out. Oh. And so or like things, things like that, which on one hand, yes, that works. That's true. Like, okay, you both give a little bit, but on one, we'll like sometimes kind of keep score with that. I'm like, well... You got to go do this with your truck friends. So I definitely get to go to Target by myself. Like, Okay, so maybe you could actually use that and flip it around. Would it be healthy to say, okay, I am going to encourage him to go do his thing with his truck friends because I know in exchange 
I'll get to go to Target too. Oh, so maybe yeah. that's a healthy way to look at it instead of a keep score way. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. I like that one. Um, so those are some advice pieces of advice from my sister. Um, one of the things that I wanted to talk about was just a maybe not a piece of advice, but just a way of looking at marriage. And as far as I hear all the time, marriage is work. Mar- you you, you got to put in the work. And yeah, I guess it kind of is. But if you just change that up and think of it, marriage is effort. Um, maybe it doesn't sound so daunting mm, that yeah. because there are things that I like to put effort into. And if it's something worthwhile, I want to put the effort into. But if it just feels like, oh, my gosh, it's so much work, then it doesn't feel very good. So yeah. maybe just that would be one little piece of advice. I also, uh, when we're talking about these different things of advice and all these things that you're looking at in marriage is you chose this person. You picked them forever. So if you want something to last forever and you want something to last for eternity, you treat it differently. Oh, you, you polish it and you maybe like put it in a glass case and you clean it and you, you help you treasure it. it, you treasure it. Yes. And you, 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 you show it to people. You're proud of it. Yes. 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 You want it to last forever and ever. So you treat it differently than something that is I love this. When you said this, I was kind of imagining like a piece of china or just a piece of something really nice, like an heirloom. And I imagine, oh, when it gets a scratch, when it gets a scratch, you know, a piece of china or whatever, you want to buff it out or you want to take extra care. You don't just throw the plate on the ground and say, okay, it's done. It's over. Right. Might as well just stomp on it. Don't do that with your marriage either. Buff out the scratches and care for it. Love that. President Holland gave a quote at a general conference not too long ago, and it's choose your love, love your choice. So I really like that because first you have the ability to choose your love. You do. God says like, yeah, yeah, you, you can choose who you love. You can. So you've done that. You've chosen them. You're married. Now love your choice and honor and respect that choice and make it last forever. Oh, that's such a good piece of advice. I love that. Uh, I want to share my biggest piece of advice. And um, this is a little bit on a more spiritual nature, but um, this is probably the thing that's held my husband and me together all of these years of marriage. And that is, um, I want you to picture a triangle that you have three points of a triangle and you're in one corner and then your spouse is in the other corner and then there's a top part of the triangle. And in that corner for me and my husband is Heavenly Father. Yes. And the reason for that is if you're always trying to grow towards your or build your relationship with Heavenly Father or God, um, then no matter what, you'll both automatically be coming together. Because the two lines of the sides of the triangle get closer and closer together, the more they each go towards that top point. The reason that that's important is uh, when you get married, you only know each other based on your history and your experience. So you're choosing somebody that all you've seen is their history. You have no idea what lies ahead. And and my, my estimation or my opinion is the only person who does know what lies ahead for you is God, right. our Heavenly Father. And so there, I, I'm here to tell you there will be hard times and there will be challenges. 
And the reason that matters is when you get to those hard times and hard challenges, if you know that you made God a part of your relationship, that third party, then that gives you somebody else that you can also rely on um, that can help give you some support and guidance and and inspiration and that type of thing. But um, I bring this up because um, most of you know our story that our son passed away four and a half years ago. I'm going to try not to get too emotional. And nobody could have predicted that that would happen right. in our marriage. So we had no idea that that was coming when we got married. Or married. But when it did happen, and we've learned the statistics. I mean, the statistics of staying married after losing a child. I mean, it's grim. Not many people do stay married. married. And I can tell you, I can see why. I yeah. can see I because it changes you in a way that, you could not predict. It changes yourself in ways that you you didn't imagine, but it also changes your spouse. And um, I can honestly say that um, that because we have the foundation or the third point of our triangle was our Heavenly Father or God, that has been what has held us together. And again, if you picture a triangle, it's the one stable um, yeah. uh, shape <laughs> yeah. in, you know, in geometry or whatever. And it has stayed stable. And that doesn't mean that it's not hard. But when that hard time hit, that is what helped keep us, helped keep us together. And, um, and the reason that's important is because nobody else knew what it was like to experience that. That, right. Jason's the only other person that knew what it was like to have a child, our child, that we created together, be gone. Right. So we needed each other, but we didn't know how to do it. We didn't know how to navigate that. So there's my piece of advice is just have God as an important part of your marriage. And again, in the triangle, he's not between you and your spouse. He's a third party in your marriage. In closing, we want to share one more piece of advice that we've actually shared in previous episodes, and that is that when you have conflict or problems, instead of you against your spouse, make it you and your spouse together against the problem. Yes, yes, absolutely. And it doesn't even matter what the problem is, but if you feel like you've got a teammate working with you, man, the ideas that you come up with and the the ways that you come up to with with to resolve it are so much more powerful than if you're constantly feeling like you're on one side, he's on the other, and you're just constantly going um, at each other. So again, you and your spouse together against the conflict. We thought it would be fun to do a follow-up to this episode, so we want to hear your best piece of marriage advice. We don't care if you've been married for six months or 60 years. Yep, we we want to hear it, and we want to hear like some of your funny marriage stories or maybe... Oh, that would be fun to yeah. have funny married stories. Yes, yeah, and it could be things like maybe a struggle you came over together, over, overcame together or... Um, like something that you think is silly or it could be something that's a really big deal, but, and how, maybe how you stayed together, how you navigated through it. Um, Oh, okay. Wait, before we go on. Okay. If we're going to solicit funny stories, I'm just going to give you one of the funny stories that we have. Um, well, I don't know if it's a funny story, but it's just something that is just between me and my husband that makes it kind of fun. Early in our marriage, we had this rubber mouse. I think it was from like Halloween decor or something like that. (laughs) 
And uh, my husband found it, and he put it somewhere where I came across it, and it scared the crap out of me. <laughs> this rubber mouse. So what did I do? I didn't say a word. He had no idea that it scared me. I picked it up, and I put it under his pillow. Good. <laughs> or on his pillow. And then... It became, we did this for years. I don't know what's happening. We lost the mouse at some point in a move or something, but we did it for years. He would then put the mouse somewhere else, like in the pantry and, you know, a box <laughs> of cereal or something. And every time, you know, we jump, but then it was just this little piece of, oh, sorry, this little piece of laughter. <laughs> I, I'm talking and I accidentally just spit on Casey. <laughs> so she's over here going, gross. But anyway, so if you have stories like that that bring you together, um, you know, just funny, fun tips and tricks that everybody can do. Share those with us yes. as well. Yes. Uh, if you enjoyed today's episode, please share it. Leave your comments. Uh, check out our show notes. We'll link all the stuff we talked about today. And that's on our website, bbfroch.com. That's bbfroch.com. And it's under the podcast section it's all our show notes uh but share you can it link to it in the top right corner of the website yes yes share it leave comments and let us know what you think we really love it and so until next week you guys <laughs>